and welcome back. Hi, guys. Welcome to another week of Romance and Color. Yes, welcome to Romance and Color. Again, your destination for real inclusive love. We are your hosts, Tatia Yakini. Um, girl, how before we get started? My weekend was good. It was relaxing. Good. We had a long weekend, obviously, you know, because of the holiday. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm watched a lot of scary movies in anticipation of mm. one of my favorite holidays Halloween <laughs> coming up <laughs> yep, yep. Relax. we had a lot of rain in New York City so it was kind of a mm. Netflix and chill type of weekend and that's what I did yeah. what about you? How yeah, you? cool we did the same thing Tika was a little under the weather but um, we, we kind of nursed her back and then I Aww. spent like the weekend binging on stuff on Netflix and stuff so mm-hmm. I finished um Dear White People and then okay. I finished I finished what everybody's talking about Squid Game so I finished Squid Game which was my kids have been trying to get me to watch that I don't it's know how that's crazy kids, but I promise not... that I binge watch it <laughs> It's kind of not. It's gory. I don't know um, if all the kids have watched it when it's not appropriate for kids. Because I'm hearing, like, I don't know. it's crazy. Everyone's it's watching cr- the Squid Games. Is it Squid Games or? You know, yeah. we black. We got an ad S to everything. But it's game. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Taco Bells. All these. Right. <laughs> Kroger's. Right. Yeah, but, um. But yeah, it's Squid Game, so it's 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 crazy. But so is it very, worth the watch? Because I really don't it, feel it, like bending no down on show. I told I, the boys I, I'm going to. I mean, I liked it. I mean, I I I, I dug it, but you know, it, it's I just don't you. have the strength. I, but I told them I was. <laughs> they've been asking me and asking, so I said this weekend we'll probably do it. It's fucking, it's fucking gory. But anyway, um, oh, it's it gory? is. Yeah, it's definitely Halloween appropriate. Okay, hold on. But, um, it was, it was, it was good. We just, it just chill. But I don't know if you like Squid Game. It's, it's a little, um, it's, a, it's a little, it's a bit much. Well, so, I, yeah. I'm okay with gore because you know I'm, I'm kind of a mystery horror aficionada. Um, so you know I think I'm locked in because I told the kids I was going to give it a try. So I just am not looking forward to it. But maybe I'll sing a different tune after I finished it. I mean, if you watch horror, then it, you'll be fine. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we digress. Yeah, and that was we digress. Unrelated to romance and color, <laughs> but it's trending, and it's like the number it's one show trending in America. It's the number now. one. Why it's the number one show in the world. So you know, <laughs> oh, yeah, world. right. Yes, in the, in the world. Sorry, one more. That's another turn off that I have to either read. Uh, watch it dubbed, or I guess read subtitles. Yeah, I watched it. I watched it dubbed. Um, so I prefer that. But my son, who's really into anime, basically was like, "Mom, you're mad corny if you if you watch it dubbed, like all anime." <laughs> we we read. So I'm like, but I don't want to read captions. But I'm I heard the sub wants to go but ahead. Tell tell him that the subtitles aren't even correct because according to somebody Korean, they kind of flubbed a couple of the main. <sighs> Subtitles. I so. like to watch the facial expressions and the nuances. I feel like when you're mm-hmm. reading, you're not looking at the characters as much. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you have to read it. I'm gonna let him know. That. <laughs> Thank you for letting me know that. <laughs> you're you're welcome. So, um, last week on our podcast, we talked about soulmates the second time around. Yeah. Um, got a lot of feedback from folks that saying, "Yeah, you know, I feel like I've met my soulmate this time around," or okay. you know, they feel like they can meet another soulmate in the future. So, yeah, I got some some good feedback on that on that um topic last week. Oh, that's wonderful. I like to hear mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then in hot topics, we talked about Keisha Knight Williams' wedding. 
um to what's his name brad james is it yeah brad james and and um omarion and fizz reconciling <laughs> and 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 ryan henry and the whole situation with the friend and cancer and cheating mm-hmm. and whatnot as we talk about all that yeah um in reading romance i suggested that you all read the trouble with Haiti you by sajni patel she has a new one coming out called first love take two and i hope you all uh, uh get a hold of that too at this time that one has a black protagonist in it and um an indian girl so that's okay. it, ha- it touches on a lot of things classism racism colorism whole bunch of stuff um and then in listening romance we shouted out the romance ever after podcast with Allie Parker my friend Allie Parker and so um yeah that was pretty much last week's um episode so what's hot in hot topics Yakini hot (laughs) romance topics So in hot romance topics, so our girl Tamar Braxton, Tay-Tay, she mm. had some thoughts about dating. You know, she's single and she's back on the market since mm-hmm. her and her, you know, Nigerian boo went their separate ways or whatever. Oh, I did not know that. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was kind of, they fell out. Oh, I guess we didn't talk about that on the No, podcast. we did not. It was hot and heavy for a couple years. Remember, mm-hmm. you know, he yeah, met her yeah, family. Yeah. She was in Nigeria with his family. Mm-hmm. Very Portia-esque style. Mm-hmm. He was kind of independently wealthy. In fact, a millionaire, mm-hmm. a businessman. And, you mm-hmm. know, right after Vince, who we saw from her reality show, he kind of seemed a little controlling and all this stuff. It seemed like she had finally met her knight in shining armor. But Mm -hmm. I think Tamar is similar to a lot of women and men in that they kind of keep their relationship problems under wraps until maybe Mm -hmm. it's really over, over. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and I I get why people do that because I can be the same. You don't want to share too much too soon because people judge. And if you decide to work things out, people never forget what you said. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it just seemed like he was just like her knight in shining armor since Vince. But mm-hmm. when they broke up, it got ugly real quick. And she con- she accused mm-hmm. him of being controlling and abusive and trying oh, to exploit her for her money. You know, it just got, it just really took a turn and went left very quickly. Oh, my. He countered back, and I think he tried to, like, press charges. It just went really, really ugly and stuff. So, yeah, they haven't been together in a while. Ooh, but child. anyway, so she's single and, and happy, it seems. And she, re- she recently posted on Instagram, and she said, kind of asking the ladies she said is there something wrong with me not wanting to go half with a dude like on a date Mm -hmm. I don't mind paying for both of us sometimes but I'm not going half none of the time (laughs) it's a total turnoff for me do y'all do y'all guys think going half is sexy maybe I'm old school but that ain't it what y'all think she's kind of like it's all or nothing I guess kind of like if we Mm -hmm. go on a date either you're treating or I'm treating so she's not like he has to treat 100% of the time I don't mind paying for it and kind of taking him out but she was just kind of like the idea of going half and half is tacky to her and so she kind of got mixed feedback about about it what do you what do you think about that I I, I'm I'm sorry I'm with Tamar I'm not going half on no date (laughs) <laughs> I don't I typically do not go half on dates when I'm out I mean now that I'm married it's either it's all our money so it doesn't matter who's paying right. you know what I mean yeah but um you know back before you know I would treat sometimes and then he would treat sometimes you know what I mean mm-hmm. um but when we were initially dating I never pulled out my wallet for mm-hmm. anything <laughs> Mm-hmm. I mean nothing, y'all. Not a bottle of water, not some snacks, 
nothing at the movies nothing I did not pull out my wallet for nothing Mm -hmm. and I think I think this I think you know I understand a lot of women are like I'm independent blah 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 but make these dudes work, man. Make them put in some work. Make them make them pay. You know what I'm sure. saying? Your, your uh-huh. grandma used to say, you know, you got to pay to play. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so, so listen, why don't you why don't you make these two, you know, sweeten the pot a little bit? And I'm not saying you, you out here gold digging or whatever. But, you know, it's just, I mean, you know, like I was talking to my husband about it. You know, God, back when we were in college and stuff like that, I think it's a generational gap somewhere because when I was in college, even if I was just hanging out platonically with a group of guys, girls, we all went out, we was hanging out after the club. I never pulled out my wallet for nothing. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. the guys would just always automatically split the bill. Yeah. And like and like we, you know, we never said a mumbling word. They split yeah. the bill, they put the gas in the car, they did all of that stuff when we were riding out having fun. Period. I never in college pulled out my car for nothing you know what right. i'm saying i don't you know i don't remember and i think it didn't change until i probably got after i got divorced and i got back out there um in the dating scene mm-hmm. like I, I like i could say some crazy stories but i mean i met guys who were like i would go out with them and they'd be like oh so you know um you don't mind going um dutch on this right what like i don't like i don't mind going dutch if you tell me ahead of time Going Dutch you know is saying? paying for yourselves, right? Kind of right, 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 right. Going half a paying for yourself. Oh my god, are you serious? Yeah, you know what I'm what? saying. Or or guys who would have been like, you know, you live too far. Unless you gave me some gas money, what? you know what I'm saying. I'll come out there. You know what I'm saying. I'm like, I'm not giving you gas money, oh my Negro. Gosh. Oh my god. You know gosh. what I'm saying. But you know, times are different. And I think a lot of and look, I understand we're in a recession. It's a lot of hard economic times. And, and, and because of that, I think then that you all together can plan dates that are affordable for everyone. I'm but I'm, this one, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm thinking people don't think out the box. They just don't think out the box. So. I remember on one of our first dates, or I think it was like our third date, but my boyfriend took us, we went hiking up the mountain, and when we got mm-hmm. to the top, he had, prepared, he had prepared a really nice picnic, you know, and it was mm-hmm. like really wonderful. I mean, so... You know, that was an affordable, thoughtful date. So, you know, mm-hmm. you can't think outside the box. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm with you. And I'm with Tamar. I think that the idea of splitting the date, it just gives, like, platonic friend, homie to me. You know, that I get. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like you're going out with your homeboy. Mm-hmm. Either you alternate or you split the bill. And that's fine. But on a date, I just think it's just so... Ugh, that just makes that's that's a turnoff. It's a major turnoff, and you know I definitely am traditional. And every now and then I definitely will volunteer to take him out or treat mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm not I'm not splitting the bill. Like we're not both taking <laughs> out our cards and putting it on our cards. Like no. when I'm with my girlfriends, if me and you go out, we can do that. Yeah, of course. Treating it, but but no, mm-mm. of course, I of didn't course. Like that you know, but oh. in the comments, I think you said it's a generational thing. So there mm-hmm. were there was a good number of women who were like, well, I don't mind, and I'll split it half and half. I got it, and then others were kind of like, mm, no, either it's you or me, but it's not going to mm-hmm. be both. It just doesn't mm-hmm. give date, doesn't give Mm-mm. romance. Mm-mm. It so, doesn't yeah. give romance at all. And what kills me is they'll have you paying half and half, half on the bills, half on this, half on that. That's a roommate boo. It's like a, that's not that's not yeah. that's not that's not a relationship. That's a roommate. I think it sets and... the tone for the relationship. Mm-hmm. It does do that. It yeah. does. It does. And, and you know, the, the same guys will be like, let's go half. 
are the same dudes are like what you bring into the table obviously yeah. obviously yeah. i'm bringing my my wallet and my paycheck because you ain't you ain't bringing yours you know yeah. what i mean yeah. so and they'll be the same guys will be like you know um you know you could go out with them pay half and they'll still be like so what's up you know you know trying to get you in the bed you know what i mean yeah yeah and that's so that's so stank and such a, it, <laughs> it is it really is my gosh it's such a turn off so i'm 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 with my uh my my friend tamar yeah uh, in my head that um yeah Same. i'm not going half yeah on a date yeah, uh-uh. that's, that's either, either I treat you treat, uh, and that's what eat. I and I have two sons, and I obviously don't ever want them to be taken advantage of. But you mm-hmm. know, I'm gonna let them know when you find a girl and she's quality, you like her, you're gonna be a gentleman, and you're you're gonna mm-hmm. pay for that. And of mm-hmm. course, it'll probably be my money in the beginning. And mm-hmm. as they get older, they'll be able to differentiate. I think between a woman who is there because she really likes him and wants to be with him and a woman who's just there for a meal because we live in New York City. So there's a lot of girls out here who do scam and that's kind of like crazy. Maybe it's hardened some of the guys, but I still want them to be gentlemen and that's why I'm raising them. Well, hey, Um, I'm in in Atlanta. We full of scammers. So I mean... yeah. We the whole one of scammer. Right. We the whole one of scammer. So, shoot. Yeah. I mean, we got these girls who want to live these real housewives of Atlanta lives. Yeah. And these Jews who think they're going to be the next future. You know oh, what I mean? And it's, it, it's just, it's chalky. Yeah. I mean, I, I am not, of that, again, I am not of that generation. I am of another generation. Right. Um, I'm a generation apart from some of these dudes and stuff. So, you know, I hear my little cousins telling me stories about how hard it is out here in the streets to meet a quality dude, you know, and it, it, it's heartbreaking. It's yeah. heartbreaking, especially when uh, particularly a lot of the our, the black women are more educated and they make more yeah. money, all that stuff. Sure, all that stuff doesn't matter in the end. If Again, if you can't be creative and think out the box. Yeah, I mean? for sure. You know, crazy. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, in other craziness and grossness, I wanted to just talk about this whole Dave Chappelle oh, thing Jesus. that's going on. I know that, you know, it's been in the media a lot, and mm-hmm. um, it's not so much related to obviously romantic love, romance, and color, but I feel like because on this podcast, we talk a lot about inclusivity and mm-hmm. love is love, and we just have respect for everyone. Mm-hmm. I just felt like it would be apropos. So just kind of touch bases on it briefly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not sure. I think if you listen to our podcast you probably lean more toward the open-minded aspect um, hope it's so. interesting though <laughs> yeah. yeah well I mean I was like you know I, I spend time on the shade room and obviously this topic comes up a lot and I would say probably over three quarters of the people were very much kind of in support of Dave Chappelle very much mm. kind of giving props to Netflix for quote doing the right thing not censoring freedom of speech because that's really what Dave Chappelle is talking about so I guess if you've been kind of living under a rock <laughs> and you're not yeah, really sure what's been or maybe mm-hmm. you just didn't see the spe- Netflix special. I personally made a, I kind of made a conscious choice not to watch the Netflix special because I really don't want to support him at this point. Um, a lot of people were kind of like, well, if you didn't watch it, you can't comment on it. I actually have spoken to a few people who did watch the special to kind of get snippets and quotes of what he said. So I think he, mm-hmm. I got enough information, though I didn't watch the special. Because sidebar, Netflix and their argument about why they're not going to remove the special or edit it is because they said that basically Dave Chappelle Chappelle specials are like their highest rated comic specials. Basically, Mm -hmm. they make a lot of money from him. They get the most specials. 
I don't even if I'm only one person, I want to contrib- contribute to that. But mm-hmm. basically, you guys know that he does have a deal with Netflix. And oh, also another sidebar, like I've always watched the Dave Chappelle specials up until this year. So mm-hmm. I've watched like since about 2016, 17, mm-hmm. I've noticed that he just really kind of makes a lot of homophobic, transphobic comments mm-hmm. when he's criticized mm-hmm. for it. He doubles and triples on it and he just really kind of believes and kind of standing in his truth and he feels like you know as a comedian anything is anything and anyone is fair game and he has the right to say whatever he wants to say mm-hmm. and he doesn't feel that comedians should be censored so that's kind of always been his stance and I feel like the more he is criticized for his comments in the LGBTQIA plus community the more he I think he feeds into it and you know, it just kind of gets mm-hmm. every year he's done it. I'm just kind of like, enough is enough. But it's just getting ugly. a few snippets mm-hmm. of some of the things that he said. It's just like throughout the special, kind of making jokes about, you know, if you're a man, you're a man. You know, if you're born a woman, you're a woman. You know, he refers to, um, he talks about like how the LGBT community, they're minorities up until it's time to be white. And then he kind of makes it like an LGBTQ versus black thing and you know lgbtq people have all these rights and you know it just kind of it just doesn't sit right with me he Mm -mm. refers to himself as an acronym and he makes up like a new trans thing for himself and he's just talking about like the genitalia of trans people you know jokes Mm. about Caitlyn Jenner it's just like really just disgusting and it's just like completely unnecessary and like I said you know he and a lot of people are just talking about like freedom of speech I forgot who just came out in an interview today and said they were proud of him for standing up for comedians and you know comedians Mm. have the right to be funny and be free I don't know who it was. Was it one of the weigh-ins? I don't, I don't want to say the wrong person. Mm-hmm. But I guess, the and I to me, I know he takes pride in being canceled. Like, that's something that he is, I'm okay yep. with being canceled. You know, he's mm-hmm. really not canceled because Black people love him more than ever now. Um, but I just kind of feel like he's talking about freedom of speech. But I just want him and people to realize, you know, as you listen to this podcast and as you stand by Dave Chappelle and support his freedom of speech, I just want people to realize that his jokes have very serious consequences. They you do. know, he is making light of this community, but he's really perpetuating, you know, all of these ideas that trans people are gross and they're weird and they're mm-hmm. disgusting and they're freaks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't have to accept them because it's just so gross and it's disgusting and mm-hmm. they're just weird and they're, they're these freaks. And, you know, kind of like how black people are objectified since slavery and seen as animals and non-humans so white people mm-hmm. are able to kill us and kill our men mm-hmm. and and it's okay mm-hmm. I think similarly you know maybe Dave Chappelle is aware maybe he's not but trans people are disproportionately murdered black trans women specifically so it's just really I think irresponsible and dangerous mm-hmm. and just disgusting of him to use his platform to perpetuate this idea of trans yeah. just gross and inhuman and disgusting because it just kind of people who already feel that way they feel supported they feel validated and mm-hmm. it just leads to just more violence in the the trans it community does. so mm-hmm. i mean it's kind of like no it's not just freedom of speech it's it's doing more damage than that so that's just mm-hmm. kind of my little i'll get off my soapbox but just really but disappointed you're, no, no, no. You're, you're totally totally right but i think the main thing that we that he's forgetting, which we constantly talk about on this podcast, is the idea of intersectionality. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's yeah. forgotten that trans 
also, as you said, include Black trans folks. Yes, yes. You know what I'm saying? Being gay also includes Black gay folks. You know yes. what I'm saying? He's trying to pit it as like an LGBTQIA versus Black people thing. Forgetting right. that there are Black people who are LGBTQIA. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And then, you know, it's it, he's not having the nuanced conversation that he needs to have. Yeah. You know, true, true enough, LGBTU people have made strides. They've done things. They've been able to mobilize and politicize. But he's also forgetting the reason why they're being able to mobilize and politicize is because cishet white men are at the forefront of that politicalization and radicalization and mobilization of the community. Putting, you know, queer women, putting, you know, uh, people of color, trans folks all the way in the back. And so he's forgetting about all of that. He's forgetting about the intersectionality and yeah. who's being propelled to the forefront. In, in, in every movement, Absolutely. it's always the men who are in the forefront, whether Absolutely. it be the Black Power Movement, whether mm-hmm. it be, you know, mm-hmm. um, um, either the men or white people, I'll put you that way, in yeah. every movement. You know, in the feminist movement, it was yes. white women. You yes. know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Cis had white women and all this stuff. Yes. So, I mean, he's, forget- he's forgetting about all of that, all of yeah. the intersectionality that, yeah. you know. Forgetting or choosing to ignore, yeah. Ch- and then propping up, and then I, I, the part that I saw, which really bothered me, was he saying, oh, you know, something about token Black people, blah, blah, blah. And then he, at the flip side, is talking about his trans friend. Oh, yes, that, that, that was so like, giving. But I have a Black uh, friend. I can't exactly Talk about that. Talk about that. Exactly. It was giving, it was giving token black friend energy mm-hmm. it was given that same energy mm-hmm. token black friend energy it was given it's given as you said i have a black friend look yes. i have a trans friend look the trans people didn't do nothing for her i did yes. this for her i did yes. that for her yes. how dare and she you she didn't see any, she doesn't see anything wrong with my sex how yeah. dare you yeah how dare you of course yeah. she of course she may not see anything wrong with your set because she's financially uh, benefited from something yeah. that you've done from her so yeah. of course she's not gonna you know bite the hand that feeds her absolutely you know what I mean but yeah. you know it was so gross it was and I think he was you know I loved I love like you said love Dave Chappelle I love the he's a funny he guy he's a talented guy he's a genius he and really I just, is I just it's sad because it's kind of like I feel like this is ego. I feel Mm -hmm. like every year he just gets, he continues, he gets worse and worse. There is absolutely nothing wrong with stepping back and saying, you know, that people can change. I have no doubts about that. Um, Mm -hmm. And my dad is an example of that. My dad, I remember growing up in the household, we didn't even use the term like gay or homosexual. My dad Mm -hmm. just freely used the F word. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, he was just using it to refer to gay people. Like it was just how Mm -hmm. he said, and it was, it not a funny story, but an ironic story. (laughs) He only stopped using it because like my younger sister, who I was think was like three, three years old at the time, or maybe four, Mm -hmm. she was in preschool or whatever daycare at that age. And she used the word in class. And she was like, (gasps) yeah. I forget what the context was. Like, we just <laughs> talked about this story, me and my sisters and my dad. Oh my and God. it was something like, oh, she said something like, oh, the boy can't wear that, would play with that doll because then he'll be an F, you know? <gasps> and the teacher was like shocked. And of course, when my dad went to pick up my sister, he said, you know, SIBO, or I think whichever one it was, used this word. And so my dad pretended like, what? Where did you hear that? We'll talk to her. Of course, the teacher looked at him like, you yeah, know, like right. these white teachers, like these hippies, mm-hmm. right? They looked at him like, yeah, right. So my dad said that was like the first time that he realized that like, 
sponges and they are absolutely mm-hmm. so all of the language that wasn't like his mm-hmm. growth moment um but later he just said like my dad who was like just one of the most or, or kind of evolved men like he's such a feminist but he was just like just through education and just kind of awareness and just respect he he's such an ally to the community now like he's like the biggest ally but just that was just his own growth and wanting to learn more and wanting to do the right thing and and believing that love is love so he's mm-hmm. just done a complete 360 180 um Mm -hmm. and I believe that Dave Chappelle and people like him could but I Mm -hmm. feel like it's just ego getting in the way like he doesn't feel a need to there's all these people black people out there supporting him and rooting for him and I think you can change but he doesn't want to change and Cat Williams spoke recently about comedians who rely on that type of like hatred and and you know misinformation and transphobia and homophobia and it's kind of like if you can't cut that out of your comedy then maybe you're not funny to begin with. Like if you feel like losing that little bit is going to change how people perceive you. Just kind of like, is there anything wrong with like really looking at why the trans community is offended? Like instead of just saying that they're being overly sensitive, like really think about why they're hurt by this. I'm just Mm -hmm. so sick of him and others saying you know, oh, well, they want to be treated normal and looked at as normal, then normal people get teased. They get made fun of. You know, we get to make jokes about them if they want to be normal. No, not when the jokes Mm -mm. lead to that type of hate and and murder and other and, and when they're being hurt and no sir you can't make jokes about them because you're not part of the trans community okay exactly. just like white people shouldn't be making jokes about black people saying the n-word because mm-hmm. you're not a black person so no you can't mm-hmm. be talking about how we love fried chicken and we love watermelon and all that you don't have the right to do that sir okay exactly I can't do that if I exactly but exactly. no, you can't. And Dave, you don't have the right to because you're joking down. You know, you're you're making fun of a community. Yeah, so. yeah, you're punching down. Yeah, definitely yeah, punching down. Yeah. yeah, and then, you know, I don't know what it is, but I think, you know, th- there's a there's a, a saying that says, you know, a lot of black men want to be the white men of black people. Yes. And yes. so, and so, and so I, I think in a lot of ways, he Dave Chappelle the, gives that. Mm-hmm. He, he wants that same type of freedom and stuff like sure. that to say, to say what he wants, like a white, like a cishet white man. Yeah. Would. He's and proud to the, be known for that. And mm-hmm. I think this just reinforces it. Now Netflix stood behind him on this. Mm-hmm. So he is just kind of, this is feeding into all of his grandiosity right now mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. is like the spearheading the movement of uh, you can just be yourself and speak freely and be your authentic self who cares I, if it's at the yeah. risk of the whole community yeah. and i was so grossed out that he called himself a turf and the standing with jk rowling i said are you yeah. fucking serious yeah. dude just disappointing and whack disappointing and Super totally whack. whack yeah so yeah this podcast does not support nature <laughs> no in any type of way we sorry yeah uh, you know we really let me down with this one and it's not a shot because like watch the past several years funny but it's like when he gets into like the kate jenner and all that stuff it just gets very cringy and i'm kind of side-eyeing him like where are you going with this and then but it's just like i just feel like in 2021 let's do better let's Mm. educate ourselves like he he could really use his platform to just do better but he he chooses not to and he's proud to choose not to so you know it's funny it's funny you mentioned cat williams and i started thinking about all those cat williams specials that i've seen i've never heard him 
make a joke about gay people. Yeah, I'm gonna send you the little gonna, um, video never, I, that I'm, I got. It's so yeah. interesting. And it's funny because Cat Williams is one of those, you know, comedians. He's very raw. He's not for mm-hmm. kids. I, if mm-hmm. anything, and this might just be me stereotyping him, I would have assumed he would be one of the comedians who has no problems making gay jokes and dismissing it. But I was actually really impressed with how he spoke about it. He wasn't talking specifically about Dave Chappelle. I don't think he was talking in a general way. But mm-hmm. it was just like a really open-minded, mature lens. And I just really appreciated kind of mm-hmm. like if this is your material and you can't give it up maybe you, you're not as funny as you think and he mm-hmm. was just like life is all about growth and it's okay to, to grow and say mm-hmm. I really reflected on it and, and this is how it's going to be going forward there's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with that that's but I awesome. wasn't able to put that ego aside. Yeah, I was I was yeah. impressed. So I'll, yeah, that's I'll share awesome. that with you. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Wow. So yeah. wow. What an interesting hot group of topics. Woo. Yeah, a little, a little more heavy hot topic. I said, am I going to bring this to the podcast? Because I usually like to do kind of romantic love. But I was mm-hmm. just kind of like, this has gotten way too big. And yeah. I'm just so, I don't, I wanted to speak on it. Because I was kind of like, we talk about love and inclusivity. And this is, it you is know. It's about love. It's about love. The love. Yeah. And, inclusivity of a community that we love and respect and yeah and you know want to hear more voices own stories and voices yeah. from so mm-hmm. yeah totally it's something you totally bring to the podcast yeah yeah, yeah. good mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah awesome mm-hmm. all right you guys we're gonna take a quick break and we're gonna come back and introduce our topic of the week which is actually an interview you guys with kenya wright so yes. stay tuned all right you guys i want to uh we're gonna start our topic of the week which is actually an interview with uh author kenya wright so um before we get um play the interview i want to give a little background about kenya kenya wright is an author of over 61 novels um she has been writing for over 10 years she's in the indie and traditionally published she's a former linguist she speaks Farsi. She has an MFA. She's an all-around, like, amazing woman um, who has written prolifically in everything from paranormal romance to contemporary and suspense. So whatever floats her boat in the romance world, she's actually written in it. So we had an amazing conversation. And I want you all to sit back and enjoy this interview with Miss Kenya Wright. everyone and welcome to romance and color we're here with author kenya wright for our writing in color monthly author interview series so i want to thank kenya for joining us today how are you i am doing amazing thank you so much for having me on i was super excited today and i was a little nervous oh no please don't be nervous i love the excitement please don't be nervous I promise Yay! it's going to be just like talking to one of your girlfriends, I hope. So, right. <laughs> so well, well, that's true because I have been checking out some of the earlier, um, you know, your earlier podcasts to get ready. So uh, they were nice and casual and relaxing. Okay, awesome. <laughs> awesome <laughs> um, so first, before we get started, I'd like to ask all our authors who come on, the, our first general question is, when did you first fall in love with romance novels and sort of like your author origin story? Okay, okay, okay. Um, I fell in the, into romance much later. I started off on Stephen King 
And then mm-hmm. I read a lot of like some somewhere in middle school, I found V.C. Andrews, which mm. I don't necessarily consider a romance um, because, you know, you're supposed to have a happy ending and all the stuff like that. But it was a lot of love story type of stuff. Right. In those it's definitely, definitely, definitely some gothic, gothic romantic elements. Oh, my going gosh. On. Right? Yeah. So, <laughs> I can't believe they considered that young adult. Yeah, I know. <laughs> But that, I would say V.C. Andrews was like my start in the realizing, because before it was horror and mystery, you know, mm-hmm. people frown upon romance and people who read romance. Right. And I don't know where, where that bouginess or, or sort of like snobbiness came from, but I kind of slipped in to romance because of having that snobbiness. Mm. But I still would not, you know, give in to romance yet, right? Mm-hmm. So... It wasn't until much later because I would read fantasy, again, loving the love story in the story, but not wanting a full-out romance. So then right. I started getting the paranormal romance after Harry Potter. I got into the Sookie Stackhouse novels, which is clearly okay. Um, And then, what was it? Oh, the Black Dagger Brotherhood books and all that. Mm. And I just gave up and said, yeah, I'm, I'm in the romance. I think that's that's my thing. You know, uh-huh. I started getting upset when there was no romance after a while. Right. I'm just getting really addicted. And then when I went, moved over into contemporary romance reading, it was, what was it? What was it? What was it? Um, oh, uh, Sylvia Day in the um, Crossfire series. That's what oh, that Oh, yeah. So that's yeah. more recent because, you know, it was mainly vampires. You know, give me a good vampire that... It's gonna bite me up and, and you know <laughs> all of that. I'm 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 here. We living forever and whatnot, you yes. know, together loving each other. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yes. but contemporary now, so now at this moment I will read almost anything, but I definitely need some romance in it and some steam, or I'm gonna get bored really quickly. And you de- listen. You definitely know about steam. We'll get to we'll get to that. But we, de- we you definitely know about steam. So at this point in your career, it's, it's, you say you've written like sixty one novels. How do you? How in the world? And you dip your toe into like a little bit of everything: contemporary, paranormal, suspense, like everything. Yeah. So so it's clear to me that you don't really have a favorite subgenre because um, you're good at all of them. So oh, like how do you even find the time and balance to write 61 novels? Are you writing full-time in addition to this or, or writing full-time and trying to balance a, another you know, career or like, how are you finding time to write 61 novels, 61 quality novels at that? Yay. Thanks for saying that. <laughs> um, I started writing in 20. 20- 11 no actually 2010 mm-hmm. because my daughter mm-hmm. was born 2011 i was breastfeeding when i was revising mm-hmm. my second book you know mm-hmm. and and i have three kids so it's just like that's been a journey writing as a mom is crazy right yes um, yes i my i i was oh my god i was in a marriage that was probably not the the best marriage it was a bit a little toxic a little codependency mm-hmm. all of that mm-hmm. um he leaves us around maybe two or three years after I 
found my passion for writing, right? Okay. Because the, the relationship wasn't as great, but when I learned, mm. you know, we've been together for 15 years, but when I mm. learned that I love to write and I began writing that book one, that became my, like, oh my God, I went crazy. I was like, this is, it was like, it was like having a child and looking at it. I was like, this is my child. Yes. Yeah, I yeah. I became obsessed. Instead of being sad about my marriage, I became obsessed with writing. So that was the mm. initial thing. It was such an ad- addicting enjoyment that, that I started just either work, either being a mom or writing. And then I mm. had another job. So he ends up realizing that maybe, you know, he's not getting attention, blah, 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 whatever. He ends up leaving three years later. I was devastated and upset and I'm still working full time. By now I have maybe 10 books and I just decided having just like some sort of kind of midlife crisis. I was like, you know what? I'm going to quit my job and write. I only need two books. So, and I'll so wait, you wrote, you wrote 10, you wrote 10 books in a three year period. Yes, I wrote the oh, first book oh took God. me a year and a half to write. It was called uh-huh. Fire Baptized. Um, I love that book. And then the next two books, it, it started getting shorter and shorter. It would take maybe eight months, then six months, and then three months. And then when it was short, mm-hmm. I could get a month in. Wow. wow. I don't That's know. Amazing. Some of them, to me, I felt like I rushed. Like when I look back now, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll think in my mind, hey, I rushed some mm-hmm. of these books. I should have taken some time, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. people still love the books. They come back. They tell me, yeah. oh, no, you know, I love that book. I love that. And I cringe. I'm like, oh, I could have taken more time. Yeah. yeah I could have developed it more. <laughs> yeah. 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 You, your heart is critic when it comes to your art. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I so went you- full time um, probably in maybe five, six years ago. I went completely full time. I struggled wow. a lot. In those earlier years as mm-hmm. a single mom trying to write there's only but so much money i was making at the time it was not enough right but i did it and did it and did it and did it and just kept writing and writing and writing i wrote what i loved because i was broke that's why right. it's all over the place that's why it's not mm-hmm. a clear strategy it's like i'm broke i'm gonna write mystery today because <laughs> i'm sad. <laughs> All right, I'm about to write fantasy. Okay, and and the guys tend to have money in the books because I'm like, I'm broke. I need to date a millionaire. Let me, you know. (laughs) I don't know. It just, the book started doing well and I was able to really become successful financially. And so I, I, I I have no regrets with with all those past years. I'm so happy and blessed to be where I'm at. Wow. What a, I mean, what a, what a story. Wow. I I mean, going from, single mom and struggling to now writing full time and being fully immersed in your passion. Like this yes. is this is gonna this is really gonna like minister to somebody, I think, that who's Yay! like, oh my God, I don't think I can I don't think I can do this. I don't think I'm able to make it on my own. And hopefully when they hear this interview, they're like, look, if Kenya can do it, you know what I'm saying, so can I. So that's what I mean, you don't know that you're probably gonna touch somebody with this story out I here. I mean so. Yeah, you will. You will. So this, so this, so we talked about writing the ten novels in in three years. What's your writing process like now, and how do you decide what you want to write next? So it's this, it's this thing called fast, right? F A S T, right? And mm-hmm. it's like a style. I found it on YouTube. So if anybody out there put in 
F period A period S period T and then put how to write. You know, and you'll come up and a video will pop up. And this guy, I I don't know the guy or whatever who did it, but I saw this years ago. And it was Mm -hmm. this style of writing really fast. And it was really Uh interesting. F is the first step of writing fast in this program. And F is just a format. You like chapter one is going to be about this. Chapter two is going to be about this. And we're Mm -hmm. talking two or three sentences, right? Mm -hmm. Chapter three will be this and four. And it's basically your outline. Right. Then A is, you know, applying, furthering the point and S is strengthening and T is like tightening it. But it's this really good process that helps me go through the books really fast. I can get the rough Mm -hmm. draft out fast. Mm -hmm. It's just the revision part for me takes forever sometimes because like you said, you end up being your worst critic. So it's like, this is crap. This is ass. (laughs) (laughs) This is complete and utter bull mess, you know? And it's Mm -hmm. like, Oh man, that sex scene—that's not hitting like it's supposed to hit. And right, surely people have seen this before. Missionary mm-hmm. on the bed, yeah. Can you revise <laughs> that? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's difficult because romance readers read a lot, a whole lot. Yes. So you got to bring it. You got to come different with stuff. You got to, um, you got to try and elevate each story as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I once when I was doing some research about you and your background, like you have, I mean, I can see how you can write fast because you're like, a, you have a linguist background. Yes. And so, you know, people who usually have like linguistic backgrounds or know other languages, like you say, you know, Farsi and stuff like yeah. that, which I found fascinating. I'm like, I don't know any other sisters out here know Farsi. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but um, you know, people like that who who think with that type of brain, you know what I'm saying, who can, who can master other languages and, and just language in itself tend to write really, really fast. So I can see why wow. that type of that type of style really works for you and that method works for you writing fast because your brain, you know, your brain already operates, you know, translating is having to, you know, work your brain pretty fast. That and, makes sense. Uh, yeah, you know, and being a linguist and, and breaking down language, you have to do that fairly quickly. So I can see how that process, you know, definitely works for you. And yeah, you, I mean, and, and a large part of it is is this idea that you know really what and what drags m- me with writing it. Like I could, you know, is the fact that I'm trying to correct the whole time in the first draft when the first mm-hmm. draft is usually crap. It's right, almost right. always going to be crap. It's right, like just right. get to the end of the book. You can fix it later. But no, I, I sit there and obsess over, well, what color was the curtains in the room? It's like, mm. how is that even relevant? Right, <laughs> I right. sit there and look up colors on Google for like 20 minutes, wasting time. <laughs> what is a, a nice way to say blue? Right. It's like, girl, if you don't just write the scene. Right, right, you right. Know? So, so to me, those things are forcing yourself to not obsess about little details in that rough draft mm-hmm. can get the rough draft done faster. Yeah. Yeah. So you said in 2011, you published your first book and did you do that? You did that independently, correct? Yes, I did it independently. I, I mm-hmm. had had trouble getting agents and publishers. Mm-hmm. I've always had trouble getting them. Not now I have an agent, but in the past, especially mm-hmm. in like 2010, 2011, like nobody was really trying to publish a black heroine. It was right. like, 
the ghetto. I got I used to get rejection letters that said black black women don't read, like just crazy mm. stuff. Crazy stuff like that. Wow. Well, you know, your black heroine isn't black enough, and that's a black editor that told me that. And wow. it's like, what? Because she went to Harvard. Is you're saying black women don't go to Harvard? There <laughs> like I'm, I'm sitting there trying to decide why is she not black enough? Mm. You know, you you only read mm. one chapter of the book. Right, right. So right. I gave up. You know, the, the indie re- revolution was big during that time. E-readers, Correct. Kindle had just come out. Like, yeah. book bloggers were becoming a thing. That wasn't even mm-hmm. anything real until those times. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And man, thank God, because now we have, listen, man, the, the LBGTQ community was able to put books out. Yes. Yeah. You know? Like everyone benefited, all all people of different colors, they benefited from this revolution mm-hmm. because the mm-hmm. publishing ivory gates only wants one sort of romance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you really feel like indie publishing kind of broke open those barriers for folks who were like struggling to try to get into like the traditional publishing houses and stuff. Hundred um, percent. Yeah. 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 yeah, I and mean, right it's now- not, they're not taking, listen, me and some, if you think about this, there's a lot, me and like seven uh, pretty big names for interracial romance was mm-hmm. approached by a pretty big pub romance publisher, like maybe four years ago. And we all were excited. We had a little group chat about it because we mm-hmm. was individually approached. And so we thought they were about to do some big thing for black romance. And what mm-hmm. they wanted us to do was they wanted us all to basically ghostwrite for them this like fake black romance author. And they were going to oh. tell us what to write. And I was so disgusted with that. It was like, one, oh my you God, this is, know this who is talking to. Mm. Like wow. you got you got some real good talented authors here. Uh-huh, and you mean uh-huh. to tell me you're gonna create a fake black chick and you're going to tell me how to write a black romance? Oh okay. my god. So wow. I was disgusted. So it's like to me, people sometimes look at the indie publishing game as it as nasty and all that. And I'm like, y'all don't even understand the traditional publishing game mm-hmm. is crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just have yeah. the money to hide a lot of the stuff. Right, right, right. Wow, that's crazy. That's some tea right there. Wow, I didn't wasn't expecting <laughs> that. <laughs> I was not expecting that. I'm like, I'm sitting here like my mind blown. Like, really? They they really asked y'all to do that? That's yeah. That that's crazy. It was just, ugh, that was disappointing. I think we mm. all ended up going super indie after that. Like, cause right. you know, you you go through the battle. As an author, I think of being like, oh, should I submit this book to an agent or a publisher? Am I holding myself mm-hmm. back by being indie? Um, or should I go indie? Which one mm-hmm. is it? Mm-hmm. You know, I get readers or first-time writers that say, hey, should I go indie or should I do traditional publishing? And I was like, listen, you're going to ask yourself that question like every year. So just yes. whatever it is this year is whatever it is. But right. I think you should do both, you know, mm-hmm. and, and try yeah. it out. Yeah. So for you now, you're kind of, you have your foot kind of in both indie and traditional publishing now, but it's still still primarily still indie stuff, right? Primarily indie. You know, I'm very control freaky now and I like to write what I like to write. 
And that's yeah. that, you know. Um, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, tap dance for anybody anymore. And mm. I make more money when I'm mm. indie. Because, you know, you get like the 70% royalty or, the, or, you know, like that. Whereas indie publishing, you're only getting like 7%, like the, the books in the bookstores. They're only getting, mm. those authors are only getting 7%. Of that Ooh. price tag of that like fourteen dollar hardback cover, mm-hmm. they only get seven percent of that. That mm-hmm. rest goes all to the publisher. Whereas if you indie publish a hardback, you're getting seventy percent of that royalty. So to me, I like the indie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. I mean, the the money that having the creative control and getting most of your money, I think, would appeal to most writers out there but it's still it's still kind of hard to um get your name out there in in the indie world because i mean it, it, it is very saturated with a lot of folks trying to do their own thing so what do you think how can authors and how do you set yourself apart from everybody else that's kind of out there um kind of trying to forge their own you know way into the independent like romance game you're you're right and correct about the fact that it's difficult to get like in anybody. I mean, I I could be mm-hmm. a white girl romance author trying to break in the contemporary romance, which is even more harder, right? That's right. Like a um, it's really hard to just be a writer and get that audience. I mean, one to me, and I'm always telling people because they're like, "Oh, what about Facebook ads, Amazon ads? What about Instagram? Are you, are you on TikTok?" And I'm like, first of all, make sure your book is good." Mm-hmm. And nothing, nothing will save save anything, you know. But a, a really good book, like if you mm-hmm. focus and try to write the best book you can write, they will come. The audience might come three, four years later, though. But they're right. coming. The, as right, long as right. the book is good, you know. People right. spend a lot of time on the cover, which is important. I think the cover is the number one thing. I think you mm-hmm. got to research the covers in the market. I know mm-hmm. a lot of authors who hate to put the muscular guy on their cover or right. have to put the cup on the cover. They want to put like a keychain with like blood dripping or something on a lipstick. <laughs> I don't know. I want to be abstract yeah. and I get it because that's being artsy. But yeah, mm-hmm. you know, if you're trying to make money, man, you better put that cover on that a reader can instantly say, that's a romance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because readers are tired of muscular guys too, but they still yeah. buy those covers with the muscular guy because it's signaling to them this is going to be a steamy romance. And with your covers, and I was looking at all the books that you put out, the different series, you're you're very strategic and adamant about putting folks of color on the on the cover, putting yes. black women on the cover, centering them on the cover. How involved are you in that cover design for your books and things like that? I mean, if you look at the covers uh, for The Butcher and the Violinist, which is uh, mm-hmm. based on a French mafia series, the yeah. hero loves, um, he used to be a, a, viol- a famous violinist. You know, he kind of fell into crime, all of that. The girl is a violinist, a heroine. I mm-hmm. um, went and I got that as a photo shoot because I couldn't get that image of the girl mm. with like the ta- violin tattoo drawn on her back and him with the bow playing her body. Mm. So mm. it's like, that's when I'm getting in the artsy mode and really, really want to just, I'm obsessed with this idea and I'm going to go for it and just do it, you know? Redemption mm. was the same way. It's like, I barely would, 
you know, I don't see enough Asian men and I don't see enough black women on covers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I like both of them. <laughs> so, mm. you know, I try to get, you know, when I'm doing an a, a Asian man book, I try to get him on that cover and I want him to look sexy and hot. And I yes. want my sister to look good. And, you know, yes. I'm, I'm a dark brown skinned woman. So it's like, mm-hmm. and I grew up in the 90s, you know, with colorism being crazy and you, I could yes. not see myself on TV or in movies. So I thought, yes. hey, Light-skinned girls are prettier than brown-skinned girls. And that was that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I wanted to show how amazingly beautiful all women of color are. Yeah. And how much all men love us. You Mm -hmm. know? So Mm -hmm. that's... But thank God I I have an audience that feels exactly the same way, too. Because the real part is know your freaking audience. And know what your audience likes. It just happens to be that me in the audience... Are we are the same? We read the same books, right? 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 You know? Right? So I I know they they want sisters on the cover. I'm putting sisters on the cover. Some people say a lot of authors tell me, "Girl, I wouldn't put the sister on the cover. You're not gonna make as much money." Good. Yeah. You think that way? I'm bringing in dough. Right. So it is what it is. You know. Right. 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 So like, cause I'm dig I'm dig. You got me digging into like some of your backlist and stuff like that. Cause I was like, I was like, let me get into some of her other stuff, and I see, yeah, you have a lot of Asian brothers on the on the on the front, and oh, yeah. you know, a lot of black Asian women, black women romances, which we don't get a lot of. So, what kind of drew you to that? You know, given that Asian men and black women aren't always seen as sexy or um, desirable, so that kind of Asian man, black woman pairing, like, what kind of um, drew you to that, and you know, I know you have something coming out with the Naked Lunch series. Oh um, yeah, we just talking about Naked that. So, I'm so excited so, about that. So, what what kind of drew, has drawn you to that kind of interracial dynamic? Well, you know, um, first of all, now that I'm the single woman, I'm I was out. You know, I haven't dated in a few years now because I'm, I'm <laughs> writing. But yeah, um, I was like looking. I was just annoyed with how the people I was getting wasn't well first of all I was looking at certain types of guys right but I hadn't really given a lot of the Asian guys as much attention and so you know Issa Rae had that big statement that where people trying mm-hmm. to cancel her on it but sisters mm-hmm. was like mm, no um, <laughs> yeah when she said that you know the because it was this dating survey that showed how black women and Asian men are the most ignored and the lowest on interest in the date in on dating platforms right said, so why not black women and asian men start dating each other and i was like yo facts i mean she made it makes perfect sense but you know <laughs> come on now so she i'm like listen yeah, yeah i started looking at that and thinking of that for myself mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's mm-hmm. how it started getting to be oh wait a minute now i started looking up at you know, looking up Japanese models, looking at Korean dramas. And I was like, okay, oh, wait a minute now. We got some, mm-hmm. okay, I see what we're working with over here. And so there I began thinking up, you know, hot romances and stuff like that. So that is my thing. And then I was excited that I didn't see a lot of them out there. I was like, oh, no, no, what? it's still not. Yeah. Oh no. So that's my goal. I'm gonna be trying to write more because I have naked sushi, like you said, Japanese Yakuza mafia, because I love my gangsters. Um, <laughs> and it's exploring 
and I hope I don't mess up this pronunciation, Nayatamori, which Mm -hmm. is the act of eating sushi off of a woman's nude body. It's Samurais would go into battle, and the and when they would win, they would go to the geisha house, and that would be their celebratory tradition: having a naked mm-hmm. woman bare to them with sushi on it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I'm getting the image in my head. I'm like, oh, okay, that, that might be how I can see how that I can see how that can turn into something steamy very fast, very very oh, yeah. fast. Oh, but yeah. I, I like I like that idea. Like, I, look, I already like pre-ordered it. I'm like ready. I'm ready for it to come oh, out. Okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. So let's talk about some of your your other books that you've written. Look, let me tell you something. I'm, I'm be I'm be honest. I'm not big on mafia romances, but uh-huh. I think I think you may have turned me on to them. Because look, I, I was I was I look look a lot of like a lot of folks. I watched and I read 365 D&I and I was just like, girl, no, yes. <laughs> this, is not, this is not for me. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know how kidnap can be sexy, girl. blah, blah, blah. But <laughs> I think, I definitely think you, you definitely turned me around. So what attracted you to like writing like sort of mafia romances? Cause you have like a whole series, series yes. of them, a couple series of them. Um, yes, so I which one? Which KW- Mafia yeah. universe. It's like the Marvel yeah. universe. It has yes. <laughs> yes, yes. So so what's your favorite series in your mafia universe? And how awesome. did you get started writing them? And that's what's funny because Naked Sushi is connected to the dragon, which is one of my Japanese mafia. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. he's, he's in that universe. Mm-hmm. Um and this hero is the the kind of the executioner. He's called the dragon mm-hmm. or whatever. So um yeah, you know, I, before getting into Mafia, I was like, I would look at it and be like, I don't know about that. I don't mm. know about that genre right there. What's going on with that? And I would mm. see the arranged marriage stuff and some of the kidnappings. And I'm like, listen, I'm not doing all of that now. <laughs> so my beta reader, who I'd had for several years, it was her birthday. I didn't have the money to get her a gift. So I was like, hey, I'm, I'm going to write you a book that mm. you want. Give me some things that you want. I'm going to write it for you. And she was Mm -hmm. like, I want a super, super, super alpha, like over the top alpha guy. I want Russian mafia. And I was like dry heaving, like, ugh, what? Russian mafia over the top alpha. She's like, yes. And I want her to be from New York. And I'm like, oh, okay, 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 okay. And that's how the lion and the mouse began. It was just mm-hmm. a birthday present to my beta reader. Mm. Um, so I finished the first book and was like, cool, you know? And people was like, yeah, where's book two? And I'm like, oh, no, but, you know, they, they got on the plane and stuff. So, you know, everything was great. <laughs> like, no, right. I don't think so. We going right. to where they going. So right. I'm like, okay, right. I'll do one more line in the mouse book. And it just never freaking stopped. Like, I'm now <laughs> on book seven. Yeah. And but when I was writing book three, I had come up with this villain to go against the line, which is how I get my Jean-Pierre French Mafia guy. Mm. And I was so excited about him that when I, I stopped writing book three, started writing his two books, and it's just been going on. Like, new characters wow. are coming. This just became a crazy thing. And now I love it because I already mm. like 
Quentin Tarantino and Guy Ritchie movies. So for mm-hmm. me, it was like, yeah. if I'm going to write Russian Mafia, I'm doing an all-star cast of crazy people. The chicks yeah. are going to be badass. Ain't nobody kidnapping a goddamn thing and not getting right, shot. Right, right, right. You right. kidnap my heroin, you getting shot, okay? Somebody right. kidnap <laughs> that. There's going to be no 365 yeah. nothing. Okay. <laughs> so, and you know, and I love the idea of sisters just running stuff, you know. And right. Be a hard right. Person. Yeah. Right. Now I love mafia. I love it. Love it. Love it. Right. So let's so let's talk about some some other other books. So listen. So I know I tweeted you because I told you I was listening to Quarantine and Chill, <laughs> ma'am. So first of all, I listened to the audio book. Why I do that? Cause it, cause I was like, um, I'm having heart palpitations. I don't know who the word she got to do these, <laughs> do these audio, especially the guy. But I was like, oh my god, this is oh, yes. a lot. So then I go on, I go on Amazon, and somebody's like, yeah, so and so, so the illustrations. I said, illustration. Oh, yeah. So I said, wait a minute. Then I got to order the book. So I went <laughs> and ordered the book. Look in the book. I said, oh my god, so I'm about to hide this book because. You know, yes. I, was like, I was like, oh my God, I don't need nobody finding it. <laughs> finding it so, work. <laughs> what, 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 first of all, the, for the concept of quarantine and chill, so timely. What made you write that? And yes. of I course, I know what kind of made you write that. But. I mean, you know, I started writing quarantine and chill March 2020 when, because I'm, I'm in Atlanta right now. It's right when we were locked down. I was supposed yeah, to be writing. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I was supposed to be writing um, Line in the Mouse, but mm. I was so devastated. I was like, Corona, what is this? And I couldn't get out of my mind. I was freaking out. So I took mm-hmm. a break to write Quarantine and Chill. And I, I recommend everyone does that as a writer because writers will force themselves to focus on that one book. No, if you can't do it. Just stop and work on something else. Something else. Yeah. 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 And I just wanted to put, I had put pictures in my French Mafia books. Mm-hmm. Um, I put pictures in Missing Hearts. I put pictures in uh, Redemption. So there's like a couple books that have like naughty. So now I gotta order all the rest of them to get the <laughs> get the, <laughs> get the pictures. Oh yeah, they in there. They they have been there. So um, <laughs> yeah, and I'm doing Filthy Rich Alphas now. They all have that's a whole series that has all of them, right? And this book that should, I have I think, now, should, I think you should get into graphic novels, graphic really adult novels. So oh I God. really do. I, I think it's something there. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna plant that seed for you. I, I think you need to get into graphic adult novels. It's I was adult totally picture them. books in a way. Adult right? picture books, please, please. <laughs> I, I'll be the first one to hype it up. Trust me. But go on. I'm sorry. Go on. No, no, no. <laughs> I think it's fun, though, because it's like everybody was so sad in 2020. So I was like, one thing yeah. I know, Quarantine and Chill is going to be one of the chillest books I write and going to be a lot of mm-hmm. danger. But mm-hmm. we got to have pictures in there so that we can have some fun because I didn't mm-hmm. know what the world was going to look like. And mm-hmm. I thought, too, we got to document this quarantine shit because yeah. like, this yeah. ever happened. Now, what I yeah. didn't know is that there would be other quarantine books out. Because, you know, I wasn't the only one that thought of that. But then I read a lot of them and was like, oh, they didn't take this seriously. I'm taking this seriously. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Your book, your book really took it seriously. Like, I've read a couple, too, and I'm like, eh, whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. it's whatever. But this one kind of talked about the gravity of the quarantine 
yes. what was going on, how people were feeling, the isolation, the yes. disillusion of men of like, you know, what's going on. Then you have these two people who are kind of forced proximity to be together. Oh, I love that. Tom and Jay. And, and I was just like, Kamo is just like the perfect man. Like, where in he the world did he come from? Where did he come it. from? Like, you know, I was like, I was like, can't nobody, I was like, can't nobody call nobody else princess except Kamo now. So, listen, I mean, and, and the listen. voice actor is South, you know, he he's South um, Asian also. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and he yeah. messaged me on Twitter after they finished recording it. He was like. Um, hey, I did the voice acting for your book, Quarantine and Chill. Thank you for making Indian men sexy. Thank you wow. so much. Wow. He said, I always do roles that are like nerdy, that, mm-hmm. you know, or something like that. I'm a secondary character. It was so much fun to actually do a role where I was this hot, sexy guy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was it was so good. Like, I recommend everybody like get the audio book in addition to the book. Get both because it was like you got to get the get, see the illustrations, y'all, and then you got to listen to the the actors. They both were excellent, but the guy who did the voice for Kamo was really really good because yeah. you know his, of course he knew how to pronounce things properly yeah. and you know he was he, he and I could tell he was having fun with it. Cause he felt he felt sexy in the moment talking about those things. You know what I mean? So he was, he, he, you can definitely, it's one of the best, um, I, I, when I'm working, I listen to audiobooks. When I'm not, I read. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of flip back and forth between, sometimes I'll be listening to an audiobook and then reading it at the same time. You know oh, what I mean? Wow. Same book. Um, so, you know, but this one, I, I was, I was working and so I had a pretty heavy week at work. So I was like, let me just, you know, stick to the audiobooks. So I listened to the whole thing and I was like, okay. I was like, like if I could physically blush, I would would have been blushing. But I was like, it was so good. It was so good. And then I turned around and then um I listened to When the Smoke Cleared. Oh and wow. so that that one was a mix of like you had like sort of a story within a story, you had like the paranormal yes. stuff going on. Girl, and that's one of those novels where I was so broke. Like I was really so freaking broke and mm. I was dealing with writer's block because mm. I, I was just so I'd had writer's block for like five or six months and mm-hmm. I couldn't write anything and my mm-hmm. son freaking pulled the damn fire alarm and I had to go to school to go mm-hmm. and deal with him there's all these freaking fire trucks everywhere I'm like mortified and so that's based it, on something true it was based on a true story oh my god like, <laughs> I like, and the firefighter was so hot, and I was like, oh my God, these guys are hot. And I got back home, and I saw, I got a Tinder notification, and it was a firefighter, the different uh, precinct. And me Mm -hmm. and him are flirting, and I was like, you know what? I think I can start at least just writing what is occurring for me today. Because I read mm-hmm. that that's how you get out. I have books on. Like, remember the heroine in the, in the story is dealing with writer's block and she's trying to. She is. She is. And one of the things like, were. Yeah. One of the things were right what you're doing that day. So some of the beginning of the book is me writing about what I was doing. Because I was mm. like, I don't know. And it just mm. started coming together so i love when the smoke clears everything I mean, from sarasota me i was in sarasota when i wrote it like everything oh wow everything. okay 
Wow, wow. That was that it was I I really, really enjoyed it because like it was sexy, but it's kind of like a kind of a slower burn and then then yeah. Yeah, but it was still sexy. It was still, you know, the story within the story kind of mirrored what the the um the heroine was kind of going through. Yeah. And you know, it was it was just so good. Like I really, really enjoyed it. And then kind of the backstory with the fireman and his twins and everything like I, I really really I really really got into it so it was it was so good thank you so, so much it was so good so you say you had writer's block you, aside from aside from like just going and working on something else how else do you kind of combat writer's block how do you kind of like when you're in the weeds and you don't know where to, to turn how do you get out of that do you have like a group um, of folks that you like throw ideas off of like a group of like you know, strong critique partners or anything like that? You know, it's never, I'm, I'm always full of ideas. I'm always like, I'm always behind in what I want to write in my head. Like I have mm -hmm. a, a one book I've been trying to get to to write, but I have blind and mouse books. On. But I want to finish this book called Dance of Thieves where it's like Alice in Wonderland meets Ocean's Eleven and all, mm -hmm. you know? So it's tons mm -hmm. of ideas. My mm -hmm. problem is when I can't write, it's usually because I'm depressed or sad. So your uh, meditation is the biggest thing. Affirmation mm -hmm. is the biggest thing. And yeah, like mm -hmm. you said, having other authors around, because sometimes I'll go and I'll have a book release and I can get like three, four, 500 reviews. And they're all mm -hmm. like 480 of them are like five stars. And I see a two star, one star, and I will just obsess about that. Piece. So you read reviews. That was my next question. You read reviews? You do I tried my best not to. I've been doing uh -huh. kind of decently sometimes. Sometimes... <laughs> Sometimes I just gotta do it. Like sushi, mm. I'm gonna probably read the reviews because it's, mm -hmm. it's it's been a minute since I put a book out, and I'm I'm you know. But sometimes when I, I, it could even be a five star that just said one little but blah 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 character was annoying, and I'm like, but you didn't understand her, you know. And <laughs> I go and I'm just upset. So. During those moments, it's good for me to go mm -hmm. to another author and be like, they were bashing my book. And they they get me out of my funk and like, Kenya, Kenya, you mm -hmm. got a bunch of five stars. Stop reading right. your reviews. Chill right, out. right. You know. Right, right. So what advice do you have for like new writers or up and coming writers like myself who are trying to, you know, get their foot in the door and trying to figure out what their style is, what they what they want to say in the world as far as like romance is concerned. Um, what's your advice for a new writer? You know, I, I'm a tell them and I, I really want people to believe me because I think most people don't. It's like, mm -hmm. you got to write the book that you want to read. You really mm. got to write that. Like people mm. are like trying to write to market and they're trying to write what they think is going to sell. You're going to... Mm -hmm waste your time doing that. I, I did a lot of those, but some of those books were decent, but not really. Like they didn't sell like the books that I wanted. Like when I read mm -hmm. Sylvia Day's Crossfire series and even the 50 Shades of Grey, I was like, where is my black heroine that's dealing with these dark, sexy alphas? And I was like, right. oh, no, oh no, I'm going to do my own book because mm -hmm. I need it deep within mm -hmm. my soul. You know, mm -hmm. that's the book that makes serious money. Right. That you're so passionate about the book when you're sad about things, you know, and you want to put it all out in the book. Those books really, really make you money. And I would tell a new writer, 
to be patient and understand that sometimes you're not going to make that money the first year or the first five mm. years. But mm. if you keep writing, you keep will writing. make money. I did not mm. see that I would make this money years ago. I did mm. not know. I couldn't see it. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, mm. it, I never thought I would. I thought that I would forever just, you know, write books and, and make maybe $500 that month or something like that mm-hmm. or whatever. Many times yeah. I consider quitting. I would say just mm. keep, if this is your passion, just keep writing no matter what. Keep writing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely keep writing. Okay. So we're going to, we're, we're getting close to the end of the, of the, of the, interview which i know is going by so fast <laughs> it's going by so fast but we usually ask like rapid fire questions at the end sort of like in the actor studio with uh james lipton like okay, okay. back in the day so um i'm gonna ask you a few questions uh so we can get to know you and all this all the things behind these 61 books you <laughs> you've written <laughs> um first of all oh before we before that I know we talked about Naked Lunch and, and the Naked Lunch series. So it's, it, can you kind of talk about that? And like, oh, yes. I know you're it's like about, a coll- it's a collective of writers, co- correct? That's Who write different correct. books, right? Right. Can you kind of talk correct. about that and how that works? Yes, yes, yes. So Lunchtime Chronicles, it's on its um, fourth season now. Uh, mm-hmm. It started off about maybe four years ago. Uh, it was launched, Lunchtime Chronicles was launched by uh, author Sierra London. Um, they're mm-hmm. all erotica, erotic romance novels with mm-hmm. Black heroines, right? Mm-hmm. Most of, almost all the characters are usually over 30. Mm-hmm. Um, what's, there's only two things, because not all of the books are connected. Each mm-hmm. author has the freedom to write what they want, right? But okay. there's two things that we have to have in every Lunchtime Chronicle book. Messy mm-hmm. Mandy, who is like this fake sort of columnist. She's like a Wendy Williams. Oh, okay. And she's a mess. She's a, a mm-hmm. serious mess, right? <laughs> um, so she's in every book. Uh, and also there has to be a lunch scene. And it needs to be very, very, very sexy. So, uh... I definitely have a a nice romance. I I love naked sushi. I think it's one of my Mm. favorites of the year. Um, Mm. I I freaking love it. You know, I had to do that naked sushi scene. Um, Yeah, I know. I had a lot of fun with that. (laughs) I had a lot of fun. I I cannot. I can't wait to read that. Okay, so back to back to. I just had. I forgot about that. I was like, let me get that out there. Um, (laughs) So to ask you some rapid fire questions, your favorite book as a kid. Cujo by yeah, Stephen King. Cujo? <laughs> Wait, Cujo was your favorite book as a kid? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I thought you were going to say Sounder or something. No, no. Cujo. <laughs> the other Cujo. dog. I okay. love I, I must have found Stephen King at eight or nine. I don't know why my mm. family would let me read crazy stuff like this. But mm. they were impressed that I was reading those big books. But oh, man. Yeah. yeah. I love Stephen yeah. King. Do you like writing heroes or villains? Ooh, heroes that are villains to most people. Villainous <laughs> <not> heroes. <laughs> got it. Got it. Um, do you like writing love scenes or like big dramatic arguments or twists? Ooh, dramatic 
That end okay. up being sex scenes, but <laughs> <laughs> most times they do, yeah. Yeah, I like those types of scenes where it's like, uh, 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 and then the alpha's like, you know what? Let me just shut her up with some sex. Let me just end it right now. You see, she's talking to me a little bit crazy, so let right. me just show her what's going on. Right, right. So, are you are you are you a big movie buff? And if so, um. What's the best book to movie translation that you've seen? I know as authors we don't really like movie, you know, versions of books, but have you has it been one that's been very good for you? Wow, that's a good one. That's a really good one. You know what? Oh God, the only thing I can think of besides Harry Potter, which I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. I was happy with what they did for most of them. Um, oh God, I'm gonna say Twilight. <laughs> Oh wow! Okay, that's weird. But it's like mm. I love, I read those books for an exorbitant amount of times. It's crazy. Mm. I'm proud of it too. I know people are like, "Oh God, no!" Listen, I was all about Twilight back in the day, and I love the movies too. I feel no, like no, listen, no shame in it. They had a hold on a lot of people back then. Listen. So no shame in that. No shame. <laughs> um, your favorite place to write. Uh wow, favorite place. I guess I would say my office. I have it like I'm in my office now. I have like bamboo plants and elephants. I, I, I think elephants are lucky. I have my sage and my candles and mm-hmm. all of these little affirmations and stuff around me. And that just it makes the place a sacred sort of space. Mm-hmm. What are the hardest things for you to write in your book? Action. 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 I love writing action scenes, but they are mm-hmm. difficult for me to write. Mm-hmm. Okay. The last romance novel you read? Ha! Keita Kendrick's Twisted series, I would believe, was the last one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because what I'm listening to now, I don't know if that's... The guy is like, has her... Uh, kind of kidnappy sort of trap sort of thing. It's a little dub Connie, you know. I'm like, I'm kind of like, why am I listening to this? But I'm still what listening. book is this? What is this called? Fables of Happiness by Fables Pepper Winters. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Never That's heard a of that girl. One. I think I'm just, you know, as an author, I do need, when I read, I do need to listen to crazier stuff because um, I want to put good food in my brain and, mm-hmm. and, you know, so I do look, listen to a lot of craziness and that, you know, and, and this book mm-hmm. makes me, yeah, it's called Fable of Happiness. This book makes mm-hmm. me want to put a heroine in a, in a birdcage for some reason. So I don't know. Oh, Lord. Okay. I don't know how to get a sister in the birdcage. Uh, you know, I don't know if well, that's going to happen. I mean, there's <laughs> cages. I mean, I, we can workshop this. I mean, there are cages, like I'm thinking cage. Cage dancer, go go dancer. That's uh, a cage. Oh no, so, I, I'm talking about <laughs> he tries to leave and he dresses oh, her ass and put her in a luxury cage. Like, no, uh-uh. you stay oh, right God, here. No. I no. don't know how I'm gonna be able to do that with my fan base. My fan base ain't playing with all of that. They're like, what up, King? What you doing? <laughs> we might have to workshop this. I might have to let you know, okay, what do you think about this? I'll, I'll read it. So I mean, hey, I'll read it. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you um do you write to music? And if so, do you like make soundtracks for like each of your um um novels that you work on? 
100% man I cannot write if I don't have any music and if I don't get oh my mm. god I love writing the music that's the best part of the day and I have yeah I definitely like right now I, I make a playlist for every book on my Spotify mm-hmm. I have a Dirty Cravings playlist and it's so good that I've still been writing to the Dirty Cravings mm. playlist even though that mm. book I finished that like back in March um, mm-hmm. and I've been adding to it too so you know well, mm-hmm. yeah, I got tons and tons of uh, playlists of different books, and okay. I, I must have music. Okay. And speaking of Spotify, like, I know this is kind of off tangent, but what made you want to, like, put some of your books up on Spotify? Um, you know, because I, I, I rarely blessing. see audiobooks up there. Yeah, that, that was a blessing from the audiobook company Dreamscape who bought ah, the series nice. and they just, I, and you know what? Somebody just who was on Spotify reader was like, Oh, thanks for putting your books on Spotify. It was like two or three years ago when they said it. And I was like, my books are on Spotify. And so oh, I messaged wow. Dreamscape like, Hey, somebody has my books on Spotify. And it was like, yeah, we're trying something out. And they're like, your books oh, are doing wow. well on it. And I was like, I wish y'all told me I would have been promoting that more. Like, hello. So I, I, yeah, have been, yeah. I think it's really good that they do that. Yeah, that is pretty cool. So um, what is your favorite word that you think you use in your writing that you use a lot? Wow, so many words. In <laughs> so many sentences where I'm like, know, really? It's hard to Should nail down. His head? That's what you got? Frowned. I say frown. I shook his head. Glared. Oh my God. Everybody's yeah. glaring all the damn time. And they're always quirking their brows. <laughs> I try and get rid of that as much as I can. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and when, since I'm in the 60s with the books, it's like trying to find different fish, facial expressions or explaining different ways to, to write sex is crazy because it's mm-hmm. like I've written so many sex scenes. And I remember mm-hmm. when I first realized, oh, I can talk about the body shattering and pleasure climbing out. Mm-hmm. And those were exciting times. Now I'm like, how mm-hmm. am I going to describe this differently? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. difficult. Yeah, yeah. I can see I can see how, I mean, there's only so many ways you can talk about the act. Oh <laughs> the my act God. itself. So if, if, back to movies. So if one of your books were to become a movie, who would you want in the lead, and which book would it be? Whoa! Whoa, that's good, that's good, that's good. Gosh, who who would I get now? You know, I like Dude from the 365 Days, though. M- Michelle Marone, I think his name is? Yes, Michelle. he is fine. Mm-hmm. He's fine. Fine, fine, fine. Mm-hmm. I don't know who he would play though. Anything he want to play, he can pick any book. Yeah, even if the character was black, I just switch him around. Be like, for you, mm-hmm. we'll just make him white then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I can't think of. Um, oh, you know what, dude? What's his name? Dev Patel for uh, Kamal in Quarantine and Chill might be sexy. Yes, that works. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that works. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna yes, put that, that on definitely my vision board and see if I can manifest yes. that one. Yes, Seth Patel. Oh yeah, yeah. I can see. <laughs> I can see that for sure. And there was another guy. I can't think. Of, I don't know. I can't think of his name for nothing in the world. But he is. He's South A and South Asian too. But, um, 
I can't think of his name or I I'll get back to you. But <laughs> I'll just DM you like, what about this dude? Yes. <laughs> so I I'll just DM you. Um so 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 Jeff Patel for Kamal, I definitely see that. But what about the girl E Jade? Hmm. That's very interesting. I can't remember her name. She was mm. in uh Queen and Slim. You know oh, that movie? Um, um, yeah, yeah. She's been in a couple uh, movies Jody, too. Jody she was Kansas. in. Yes, Jody yes, Kansas. yes. She was in Widows yeah. too. I really dig her. I, I honestly would like her for the mouse. Mm. Yeah, I, okay. I like her. Yeah, I think she's okay. really pretty. I, I, I love her. I think her acting is phenomenal. Even though I couldn't oh. remember her name. <laughs> yeah, Jody Turner Smith. Yeah, yeah. Um. Is there an author that you're like a super fan of? Like, let's say somebody's like getting into romance for the first time. Mm-hmm. Who's an author that you're like a fan of? Like a new author and like an old author that you're a fan of, but you would like tell people, hey, these are the people you need to read. Oh, cool, 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 cool. Okay, new new writers. I would say Trevina Terry is very, mm-hmm. very good. She has, I think it's three books. I think the first one is like evasive and. The next one is pensive and something like that. They're really good mm-hmm. and they're very sexy and it's really interesting. And she really cares mm-hmm. about her writing. Um, mm-hmm. For the 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 old biddies that used to have been in the game long, I used to obsess mm-hmm. over this one author years ago before I was writing called Megan mm-hmm. Hart, and she mm-hmm. wrote Erotica. Um, mm-hmm. She, oh my god, I used to love her so much. She's probably She's why I take books so freaking seriously. Um, she mm-hmm. had a book called, let's see, I'm, I'm looking it up right now as I do it. Uh, Dirty, Broken. Um, there's a couple books where it's like um, Deeper. That's another one. Mm-hmm. So she's like, she kind of writes in a literary sort of, it's like emotion and poetic and, mm-hmm. and experimental. And she's mm-hmm. like really cares about words sort of right. She's mm-hmm. a word painter. Yeah. yeah, the same as um, Lainey Taylor is another author who's actually YA fantasy, and there's no sex mm-hmm. in that or anything. But there, she does have romance in her books, and I think Lainey Taylor is a word painter too. So I like mm-hmm. word painters who are really in, like just can create all of these amazing visuals in your head and just make you think of a sentence in a different way. So Lainey mm-hmm. Taylor wrote "Daughter of Smoke and Bones" uh, mm-hmm. back in like. 2011 but she Mm -hmm. also had this short that i think is the best short in the world and it's called um lips touch and to me Mm -hmm. there's this it's it's just one of the best books ever you know Mm. lips touch lady taylor okay i'm about to look that one up yeah um so where do you see romance first first of all what does literary success look like to you and where do you see romance novels going in like the next decade? All right. I want to be a millionaire author. Um, you know, women um, who are non, non-POC women, um, white women by my age, by my amount of books, 60 books, they're already millionaires by now, you know, right? or, or very, very, very close. I'm doing very mm-hmm. well, though, so I don't have any complaints about that. You know, when you get to mm-hmm. a certain amount of books and you try your best to make them good, you're going to make money, which is why I tell people just keep writing, right? 
I'd right, like to be right. a millionaire author, and I'd also like to have the ability, the power, and the platform to be able to showcase other Black female authors to make it mm, make the pathways mm. into becoming popular as a Black yeah. writer much more easier. Um, I mm. think we need our own stuff sometimes. Some of our own writing organizations and our own, you know, publishing companies and our own stock collection companies and all that um mm-hmm. where i think the success as far as romance industry um mm-hmm. i want to see when i go into like an amazon top you know best 100 100 list or even um a new york times or wall street journal i want to see way more people of color on that list yeah. and not just black yeah. women but all you know we don't have enough enough asian female heroines we don't have enough spanish yeah you know, and it's it's ridiculous. And if you do go on the list, you'll see maybe one um, black girl, maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of the time you don't. So I'd like to see the romance bestsellers list look very mm-hmm. just just rainbowy, and you know, have have different types of romances, not that same gingerbread cookie cutter stuff. Yeah, yeah. So finally, when it's all said and done, what do you want readers to say about the books you write? When you've written like a hundred, because I'm sure you're gonna get to a hundred, a hundred <laughs> plus books. <laughs> what do you want readers to say about all the books that you've written in your career? Wow, man, that's a really, really, really good question. Whoa, you're gonna make me think about that deeply all week. <laughs> the rest of the week, I'm gonna be thinking about that. Um, gosh, you know, I want to be a legend. <laughs> mm. Be honest, say I wanna, that, yeah. I want to be a legend. You know, I want to be like a, a Maya Angelou, you know, where it's mm. it's not even that she wrote interracial romances, that she wrote amazing stories that stories, delved yeah. into um, human humanity and spirituality and the connection mm-hmm. and and, learn, and people learned about. Um, uh, about things about life and they change their mm-hmm. ideas like when when I read Kenya Wright I change things about my life and how I be- mm-hmm. and what I believe in that's what I would mm-hmm. love to hear because mm-hmm. that's what I'm trying to do mm-hmm. when I'm writing the book yeah wow that is, that is so that is so profound that, that yeah. changed the way I'm thinking <laughs> how I look at life wow yeah yeah that's that's deep so thank you so much, Kenya, for coming on. I, I I could go on and on, but I don't want to keep you on this call forever. <laughs> so where can people find your books and where can they find you on social media? Yes, yes, yes. Well, I have a readers group on Facebook. It's called K Killers. It started off at like 10 people who were just like my beta readers. And I call mm-hmm. them K Killers because I say they would kill the bullshit out of a bad book, right? Because they <laughs> right. And then it just ended up becoming big and big and big where it just became a readers group because now it's like 1,500 people in there. Wow. And okay. I, we have fun. We are always talking. We are always yapping. So K Killers on Facebook is great. Um, my books are on Amazon, of course. I haven't gone wide yet, which means, you know, going on Kobo, going on iBooks, stuff like that. I plan to start mm-hmm. doing that next year um, mm-hmm. with that Dance of Thieves book. And um, mm-hmm. that's that's basically it. My web- author website is www.kenyawrightbooks.com. My mm-hmm. Instagram is Books. And my Twitter is King Write Books. 
Okay, okay. So can you give us a sneak peek of what you're working on next? Or are you going to be like, just wait and see? Oh, no. I am working on <laughs> Dima. I'm so excited. I really like this book. I am so like, it, like I've been revising. This is the second round of revisions this week. And every uh-huh. day when I leave the office, I'm yelling at the kids, this book is so good. It's so good. <laughs> it's like right now, I'm revising a scene. Like right now, after I get off this, I'm going to finish revising this chapter 21. It's called Caviar Moans. We're on the table. It's caviar all over the table. It's all over them. It's crazy. I just wanted oh to my. do, I was, I was obsessed about a food tech scene. This the the alpha is a mafia boss that has Asperger's, but no one knows about it, right? Uh-huh. They just think he's like a sociopath because his social skills uh-huh. can be pretty shitty. Um, uh-huh. The chick, she's from like she's a black chick. She's a journalist. She's from kind of like a sort of wealthy political family, like the Obamas sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's not as impressed with his wealth, you know. So he got to go right, a little right. bit deeper. And it's a murder right. mystery in the middle of all of this. A serial oh, killer wow. is killing off, you know, syndicate members because he's the head of this the diamond syndicate, right? Oh so um okay. it's insane. It's so freaking good. Oh my god, we cannot we cannot wait to, to and get it has our hands on that one. <laughs> oh see now, gotta go buy the book, y'all. Gotta go buy the physical book. <laughs> when, it, when it comes on audiobook, listen to that too. And when you get in buy the physical book. But oh my god, thank my, you. My so poor much artist. My, my I poor artist, because I, I was talking to him today and I was like, Yeah, and I want you to put it here and I want food all smeared on her body. And I and he was just looking at me like, Oh god, Kenya, okay. So now, <laughs> and I was like, and I, he needs to have a big one. And he's like, Yes, yes, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the illustrator for your book? So you shot him out too. Yes, yes. W. Lord, he is amazing. He is Russian. He lives in Moscow. Um, okay. Yeah, I found him like four years ago, and he's just, he's the man. He's the man. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kenya. Thank you for coming on and talking to us here at Romance of Color. I had a ball talking to you about all of your books, and trust me, I'm going to go back and read more, listen to more, Yay! and get into your. And, into your your wealthy wealthy uh, backlist of books so thank you so <laughs> much for coming on I appreciate it yay thank you so much for having me I, it really meant a lot when you when um and I love that y'all are talking about romance and color I love it love it love it and when you finish your book oh, you man. know you gotta what, let me know I'm gonna I'm cut this part off of the podcast <laughs> okay, okay. I'm excited <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I, I I certainly will. I certainly will. Thank you so much. But thank you for coming on. Awesome. All right, everyone. I hope you all enjoyed that interview with Kenya Wright. Again, her latest book, um, Naked Lunch, Naked Sushi, will be out shortly. And you can find out more information about Kenya and all her books at kenyawritebooks.com. Awesome. All right. All right, Yakini. So um, have you, are you doing any watching romance um, this week? Have you watched anything? Haven't watched anything romantic. I binge watched the Wu-Tang um, series. <laughs> the opposite of romance and color, but it's bomb if anyone is into old school hip hop. So <laughs> I'll save that for another podcast, not this one. 
What about so, you? Did you watch? So last week I watched a couple of um, Hallmark movies. Um, one was uh, I forgot the name of it. Love a vow to last or something like that. Um, it was a, kind of an interracial one um, featuring the girl who she plays on The Good Doctor and this other black guy. He's been in a ton of Christmas movies. Um, and so I'm not really looking forward to that, but this weekend Hallmark has one that's going to be really good. has two black stars in it. It stars that wonderful Brooks Jarnell. Remember okay. Brooks Jarnell from um, the Christmas movies last season? Brooks, and that sounds so familiar. He was in that one with, um, was it Tia, Tamara, one of them where they were um, Yes, I just googled yeah, him as yeah. we spoke. Yes, yeah. he's that handsome and, tall young man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Aaron Westbrook who plays Tabitha on uh, Riverdale, if anybody watches Riverdale like I do, um, she plays Tabitha on Riverdale, so they're going to be in a movie called Advice to Love um, about an advice columnist and she gets a, an assignment um, for uh, you know, um, an article and she has to kind of work with the that guy. That sounds super cute. Yeah, it's super cute, cute. And then, oh, and then last week I watched South Beach Love, which featured fine ass William Levy. Do you do you watch Addicted? But with um, what's her name? Sharon Lill. The movie? No, Mm-mm. girl, you gotta watch that. But anyway, Addicted. Was, okay. He, yeah, it was. It's based on the Zane book. Addicted, okay. But he was in that with his fine, 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 fine self. Jesus <laughs> Christ, who that man's so fine with his accent. Uh, he's Puerto Rican. Um, and so it's about it was South Beach Love. It's based on a um, Hallmark publishing book. Okay. Um, and I watched that, and it was really cute. Um, it's about two girls uh, from rival families um, who were having like dual quinceañeras. Um, okay. And so it was like their aunt and then the uncle were kind of like going at each other, or whatever. They had used to have a relationship and partnership or whatever. But it's a really, it's a real, real cute. But okay. oh my god, William Levy. Oh my god, y'all, that man is so funny. Right. <laughs> uh, um, anyway, um, but in listening to romance, um, I want to also shout out another podcast, and this one is very timely. It is the Black Romance Podcast by Dr. Julie Moody Freeman. Okay. Uh, that, that name probably sounds familiar because Julie Moody Freeman was um, the woman that was on the uh, Romance Roundtable with us yes. uh, from the um, DePaul Center for the Black Diaspora. She, her specialty and her work in her area is in Black romance and romance research, uh, fiction research. And so that's what she studies, period. Um, and so um, her Black Romance podcast features tons and tons of famous Black romance writers. So you can, you all should go back, listen to some of the back catalog of stuff, which is freaking amazing. She talks to everybody from like Sharon Cooper to like... Um, Brenda Jackson and um, you know Beverly Jenkins, all the greats. Trust me, she talks to all of them. So you would really, really love that podcast. Um, so again, it's um, Black Romance Podcast by Julie Moody Freeman. It's available everywhere that you get your podcast. And in reading romance, you all go out read some Kenya Wright. She's amazing. Um, I think as we talked about in her interview, we talked about. Um, when the smoke clears and we talked about quarantine and chill which has a special place in my heart now yes girl the illustrations (laughs) in that book again i want to just talk if y'all pick up the physical book the audio book is amazing but i actually listened to like i said in the podcast i listened to the audio book 
And then I turned around and I bought the physical book because, girl, she got illustrations in there. I like that. Are they Illu- are they photos? Or are they sketches? What there are il- erotic illustrations, very like nice. drawings. So that's, diff- um, that's unique. That's very that's different. very different. Very, very different. Mm-hmm. I've never had you know a romance book with like I've had romance books with recipes in them and stuff like that. Uh, maybe photographs but I've never mm-hmm. had any with like drawn illustrations but mm-hmm. shout out to Kenya Wright and so we really I hope you all enjoyed that interview with her so that's it for the podcast this week I hope you all enjoyed it yes and I hope you guys have a wonderful safe week yes. love is and love and love is love yes yes and we will be back next week See you next time, guys. Bye. Bye.